of the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Here we go! Welcome to Panhandle Live on WEPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle Attorneys at Law. Visit their new location at 224 West King Street, Martinsburg, and online at suttonandjanelle.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Tuesday edition of Panhandle Live. Marsha Kavalik here, along with Parker Stone, as Jordan Warner is taking a well-deserved day off. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Sutton and Janelle. They're your full-service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all their legal needs with 70-plus years of combined legal experience. You can visit them online at suttonandjanelle.com or at their new historic location in downtown Martinsburg at 224 West King Street. It's apple blossom time once again. Joining us via phone this morning, Dario Savarese, event coordinator for The Bloom. Let's listen in. Um, It's going to be great to have you enjoy the full festival. We are coming back with uh, all of our uh, 43 events plus seven carnival nights. But before I go there, uh, let me please just uh, thank the Panhandle uh, News Network and 93.7 FM for for being uh, a partner to us, along with your other uh, sister station, today's 97.5. And, and uh, of course, you know, having good partners, you know, helps us create a, a fabulous festival. But also, more importantly, uh, prayers to uh, Jordan and his family um, so they can uh, have a peaceful, healthy resolution to whatever's going on up there. So I look forward next time to uh, chatting with him. But we are super excited, despite... The snow that we received <laughs> yesterday, is that not comical or my what? My goodness. D- did you take a lot of pictures? I went around my yard and took pictures of flowers with snow on them because I just thought it was so pretty. Yeah, there's nothing like the area when you get <laughs> 70 degrees on the weekend and then you turn around right after Easter and it's coming down snow. So, Well, uh, we built, we built a, uh, my, my wife built a snowman, put it up. <laughs> Um, I brought a sign out um, from the United Bank Bloom and Wine Fest, which is this coming Friday, April 22nd and 23rd in Old Town Winchester. I propped it up next to the snowman. We had some a bottle of wine and, and some wine glasses there and, and uh, took a couple of Facebook photos and posted on, on, my, uh, on my personal page to <laughs> let everybody hysterical. know that, that uh, um, you know, the weather is, is interesting today, but come... This weekend, it looks like it's in its mid-70s, Friday and Saturday. So I invite everybody that uh, 90, 93.7 FM uh, reaches uh, to come and experience the uh, 20 uh, wineries, cideries, and, and some craft beer in Old Town Winchester th- this uh, weekend to kind of kick things off. Yeah, you were talking about that. The kickoff is this weekend, April 22nd and 23rd, with the United Bank Wine Fest in Old Town, Winchester. You can grab your friends, grab your family. You can enjoy 20-plus wine, ciders, and craft beer. So what kind, what kind is the signature wine? I'm not much of a wine drinker myself. I, I had a few buddies who tried to get me on with it, but what do you think is the signature wine or the top-tier wine for those wine goers out for this United Bank Wine Fest? You know, that's a dangerous question. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, let, let me just say this, that it's a great time uh, to, to be in Old Town, to enjoy everything 
Um, for you, Parker, it, this, this kind of conversation is going to be more of a, an explanation to what the festival is. It is a uh, family affair. It is a reunion. There are literally something for everyone to enjoy with the festival. I mean, a new event that we're also having on su- Saturday, uh, uh, the second day of the Wine Fest, uh, but over at Marker Miller Orchard is a breakfast with Miss Apple Blossom. So kind of a, a great event for fathers, daughters, grandparents to get together, go out to Marker Miller, meet Miss Apple Blossom, do a Q&A, and then tour the orchards and get a little tour from, from Mary Snap, who will tell us about the different variety of apples. And so we have, we've got something for everybody. We've got tennis. We've got golf. Um, we even started this year. I don't know what your demo is on 93.7, but we've got the uh, McDonald's eSports tournament on Saturday, Sunday. Oh, with, oh with at Shenandoah, right? Yeah, yeah. We Interesting. Found, first day is in Old Town at the Bright Box. It's an open kind of competition. And then Sunday is over at Shenandoah University's eSports arena, and it'll be team competition. And, of course, Everybody can always go to thebloom.com to kind of scope out things and hit the event page and, and see all the different events. That's really neat right there. I know the eSports scene's been kind of on the rise in the past three to five years, but that's really cool you all are implementing that into your events and everything. So for those who don't know, how long has the Apple Blossom been a staple in the Winchester area? In 1924, uh, Parker, great question. Um, they uh, They had a kind of a confab, a little meeting together with some uh, of the apple growers in the valley from Harrisonburg to Winchester, probably even into Martinsburg, because, you know, this whole region is, is apple industry and apple uh, agra. And so uh, it's been around. This is our 95th festival. Keep in mind, uh, during World War II, they suspended two years. And then, of course, in 2020, we had this, uh, this little fracas. And mm-hmm. last year, we hosted... Last year we hosted half of the events, um, but we have been two years without uh, the the uh, firefighters parade, and with uh, which is Friday, April 29th, and then Saturday is our Glow Fiber uh, Grand Feature Parade, and uh, so we've been two years without a parade. We think everybody is really itching to get back out and line the parade route and salute our heroes and our celebrities and and just get together with people and reconnect. So for folks like Parker who are new to the area, new to the festival, um, it's it's outstanding, this firefighters uh, parade that you guys put on. Talk about that and how many uh, pieces of equipment and uh, other entries might be in that parade. Let me say this. Through the years, they, that parade has been anywhere from, you know, uh, four to five hours. Um, wow. and, and as years have progressed um, and different things have, have happened between the firefighter industries, I, it's probably a, about a three-hour parade now. We've lost some, some of the units because the industry and going from volunteer uh, groups who used to come to the festival. But it's a, it's a good three-hour parade, which is more than enough for Yes. For most, uh, for most folks. So we'll have everything in there from, from local bands to regional bands to firefighter apparatus. And uh, a lot of, of uh, the firefighter companies have their own Miss Honorary Firefighter. And, and so and then we'll have some of our celebrities. This year's firefighters marshal is Dean Kane. Um, you remember him from uh, Superman and the TV show. Yeah, Lois and Clark. Oh, wow. Yep, yep. And he's, he's also he's a really huge good. he's a, pro, a huge proponent of law enforcement and uh, first responders, right? 
a huge proponent. A matter of fact, um, on Sunday, excuse me, Saturday's uh, uh, parade, instead of riding up in the first division, he has requested to ride in a new division that we created, uh, the fifth division, and it's our heroes division. So we this year wanted to have a special uh, extra division um, saluting our veterans, our firefighters, our um, police officers, um, all those the past two years that have been digging in and, and trying to help us get through this this uh, virus, uh, from the school teachers to Valley Health to city personnel, people who had to be on the front lines and really being out there all the time, which is almost everybody, but he wanted to ride in that fifth division. So if you want to see uh, Dean Kane and salute him, stick around to the fifth division for uh, Saturday's uh, Glow, Fi- Glow Fiber Grand Feature Parade. That's awesome. And then also on top of Dean Kane, I'm seeing right here, you're also bringing in two sports legends as well. Dr. J. Julius Irving, famous for his uh, free throw line dunking. His, How do you know this? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a sports nerd, Marsha. You know this. I've, I I have a Dr. J t-shirt. In, of course you do. I do. I love Dr. J. So Dr. J. Julius Irving will be there as well, as well as and four-time Super Bowl champion, Pittsburgh Steelers legend, Terry Bradshaw. Is that correct? Yeah, uh, Terry is our Grand Marshal. He'll be in the Grand Feature Parade. Um, he will make an appearance at the uh, Partlow Insurance Sports Breakfast. Dr. J is our Sports Marshal. Um, he is a legend, uh, truly uh, innovator to the league. I think Michael uh, Michael Jordan, uh, I think some people recognize that name. I think he, you know, Dr. J started the uh, takeoff from the free throw line and then um, – Michael Jordan perfected. Uh, there you go. You, you can see some amazing photos if you search uh, Dr. J. He was really a, a great ball player for the Sixers. And then, please, let's not forget our queen uh, to be, Mia Dorsett, who was here probably uh, 12 years ago as an eight year old. Wow. And now, uh, when her sister was crowned, that's Mia Dorsett's uh, sister was crowned, that's Tony Dorsett's uh, former. Um, Dallas Cowboy uh, running back legend. Um, she said she wanted to be queen, and, and here she's coming back now to, to be our queen. So we're super excited to have literally the entire Dorset family coming to join us and uh, participate You know, in, in multiple events from the Queen's Dinner on Thursday to the Coronation to the Queen's Ball. There are a lot of events that, uh, you know, the Dorset family is going to be attending. So what's the best shot if someone wanted to kind of get a little FaceTime with Tony Dorset or get a, an autograph? I think um, the uh, Thursday evening, we, which is early to some degree of, of that weekend, is the uh, Village at Orchard Ridge Queen's Dinner over at Millwood Station. It's a, um, I think it's a 5 or 6 p.m. start with a reception and then it's a sit-down dinner. We recognize our queen, and 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 that's probably the most casual. It's it's kind of a nice, um, uh, it's a queen's dinner. So most people will come in a maybe a sport coat, an open collar, pink and green is our theme color, Parker. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have any pink and green, um, you know, go out and, and get something <laughs> and come on out to, uh, to that event. Um, but I believe the the dinner on that Thursday does start. Uh, give me a second, at 5 p.m. over at uh, Millwood Station there uh, near the Costco here. 
Interesting. That's really cool. And also for the uh, big dancers out there, there's uh, all themed dances. This is really I know. cool. There's like four different dance parties, right? Yeah, we've got um, we've got an '80s. Excuse me. We have an oldies rock and roll dance party um, on Wednesday evening. Um, Rick K. Classic '50s, '60s music. Uh, a lot of good uh, cutting the uh, uh, dance floor up. And then on Thursday night, we've got the Carter Meyer Automotive 90s dance party. So a lot of people come dressed. Um, you sound pretty young, so I'm taking you for more of a 90s genre, Parker. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, shoot, we'll shoot for that. We can all be but, nostalgic, though. Like, I grew up in the 80s. Yeah. So. I, I, I am a late 90s baby, so we'll, uh, we'll all the consider music of your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll cover. I remember watching Rugrats as a kid, so a little bit of rocket power. So I'll, I'll consider myself late '90s on that end. Got it, got it. So you are a young buck. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the uh, on Friday night we've got the uh, Van Meter Homes uh, '80s dance party. We have a great band coming in from DC called the Reagan Years. Totally tubular. Yeah, and you know what's crazy is there's a group out there, uh, Marsha, that travels around to 80s dance events. There are like 150 people coming in from around the country to celebrate and join this 80s dance party, and, and a lot of them love the Reagan years. And then, of course, on Friday, excuse me, Saturday night, we've got the uh, Malloy Toyota Country Music Party. We've got, um, we've got two great performers. Uh, Sam Grow is our feature uh, performer and opening. Um, is a local guy who's been down in Nashville, Ryan Jewell. And, um, you know, just know, you guys keep, a, keep your eye out for Sam Grow. We've had probably four or five different country music singers perform here who vaulted up the uh, chart to, you know, stardom, like uh, Blake Shelton, Billy Currington. Wow. Uh, there have been some others. So, you know, if uh, somebody wants to see somebody on the rising uh, um, trend here, come down to the... Uh, country music party on saturday night tickets are all available on thebloom.com and and we really you know just four great dances but parker like i said something for everyone so what's your niche parker um well i guess a little bit of everything i like i like 80s stuff i like 90s stuff like stuff from like I guess early two thousands type of thing. I, I'm I'm fine with any type of vibe, honestly. That and he also off. jocks on a on a country. That is very true. Things. I am I am a I am a workday jock over at our sister station ninety two point nine WXDC. I cover ten to three over there, and so yeah, I'm very familiar with the country music scene as well. So I can. I, I can kind of shape shift into any type of vibe given <laughs> off. We'll we'll go with that. So hey, as long as there's a good time going on, I don't care what's playing. Well, Marsha, I, I heard, um, I believe I heard that you really like sports and, and wanted to hear more about all of our sports. Of, of course I do. Yes. If someone is a big fan of Terry Bradshaw or Dr. J, uh, how would they avail themselves of being able to, to sit in their presence? Well, no, no, no. See, see, you, you read me wrong there. I was talking about you and your physical activity in sports. And, and so I wanted to make sure you were well aware that, again, you know, beyond the golf tournament, and the tennis tournament that um, we also have some other great events like a, a great uh, two three mile breakfast walk over at Museum of the Shenandoah Valley, which is beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, it, their trails are really spectacular. That's on Thursday. It's it's a one two or three mile walk with a little breakfast, and then you know I think I can't remember when you said you did your last ten uh, k, but we have one coming up <laughs> on Saturday. 
um, which is Valley Health 10K over at uh, Hanley High School. It's only a six-miler for you. That's you knocked that out. <laughs> That's child's right? play, right? I honestly can't remember the last time I did my 10K. <laughs> listen, I, well, listen, go ahead. I, I ran in college, and I didn't even run a 10K, so phew. <laughs> I maxed out of the 5K. That was enough for me. So, but that, but good, good on those folks who are able to do that. And gosh, the, they're not. The, um, they're crazy. That museum over there has some amazingly beautiful grounds for sure. Yeah, no, no question. But you know, Parker sounds so young <laughs> that I think he can still um, participate with the uh, Shenandoah Valley Orthodontics Kids Bloom and Mile. There you it's, go. It's there you go. 14. You can sneak in because I heard you. You look extremely young, Parker. He'll be the tallest kid there. <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I might have to shave the facial hair off a little bit and maybe, maybe for aerodynamics. A little bit of that, maybe crouch down a little bit at the line, mm-hmm. and I'll be good to go. Well, li- listen. If if I if, I would be remiss if I didn't let everybody know that again. There's something for everyone, and and you have to visit thebloom.com. Check out our videos. Check out the celebrities. Beyond the ones that we talked about, there are other speakers that we have coming in. Um, for people who like to, you know, engage in business uh, banter and, and networking, you know, we've got the uh, business luncheon um, this year. We've got the men's commonwealth, the ladies' commonwealth. There are just, they're just so many different events. The, the bloom is a little tough to kind of fully wrap your hands around because literally there's 50 events seven of them being the carnival. So and, right? <laughs> that that carnival is a big draw every year. I wanted, before I let you go, to talk about the um, the events of May 1st when you're going to have a festival, the craft festival and kids events as well. Are those going to be in different places or kind of uh, corralled to one area? Great. Maybe it's a great summary question. The final event that we host um, is on Sunday, May 1st at Frederick County Fairgrounds. It is the uh, Anthony's Pizza, Cincinnati Road, Bloomin' Sunday. It is a family event. It is comprised of an arts and craft area, uh, a live music with the Robbie Lyman Band from 11 to 4. We have a open auto and motorcycle show and Jeeps um, that uh, cars can come down and participate. And then we have a huge... Um, kids zone with kind of a renaissance theme this year. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's it's this this kids zone is about is going to be about two hundred by three hundred and fifty um, feet. It's it's going to be about a fourteen thousand square foot uh, area with with all kinds of uh, inflatables and things. We we've got a great uh, event chair um, Jill who's really taken this to another level. So. That's Sunday. There's plenty of parking on the Ruatan and the Fritcher County Fairground side, and and that's uh, hopefully going to be a beautiful day to wrap up the entire festival. And, and, again, I encourage everybody to invite friends and family in. It's a homecoming. This is not just for Winchester, Martinsburg, our Panhandle friends. This is one region. There's no difference between us other than a state line because this is just our, our valley. And so we invite everybody to the festival, and whether it's the parade or whether it's one of these early events, visit thebloom.com. Sounds like it's going to be a fun time for all. That was Dario Savaris with the Apple Blossom coming up. 22nd and 23rd is when festivities are set to start. Dario, thank you for coming on, and visit thebloom.com. Hey, thank you very much. We appreciate 93.7 FM, the Panhandle News Network. Absolutely, Dario. We'll see you then. 
Live and local, it's Panhandle Live with hosts Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back into Panhandle Live. Marsha Kavalik here with Parker Stone. Jordan Nice Warner is taking the day off, and uh, we'll visit with him tomorrow. I want to thank uh, Dario for coming on and giving us a really comprehensive look at what's going on with the Bloom, the Shenandoah Apple Blossom Festival, back for its 95th appearance, Parker. That's wild. I I can't imagine that 100th anniversary of Apple Blossom, (laughs) how crazy that's going to be, how monumental 95th is Mm -hmm. looking like it's sounding. But yeah, Dario gave us a whole bunch of really good info on what's going on over there. Got some big time people coming in. Mm -hmm. You got the whole Dorset family coming in. Right. You got Terry Bradshaw, Dr. J, got the Apple Blossom Queen being mm-hmm. crowned and Dean it, Kane. And and I, I love I love that the firemen's parade, the firefighters parade. Um, it's just such a neat way for them to kind of show off their equipment, but also there are so many great people in the community that staff those pieces of equipment and it's just lovely to see them and and the crowd just appreciates them so much. So that's that's probably my favorite parade of, of the two. Absolutely, I agree. I agree, hundred percent. I mean, those those workers need deserve to get their flowers. So that's that's always a good time to see them get the appreciation they usually don't get because they're out fighting the line of duty. Mm-hmm. So that's that's all. That's going to be an awesome time, and it sounds like it's going to be packed full of great events, like mm-hmm. almost like a full two weeks. Two yeah, and a half ten weeks. ten days worth, and they've they've been groups have been selling parking spots and parade spots for weeks now. So wow. yeah, it's it's that big, and I think people are just hungry for it to to be oh, back. Yeah. So um, so that is huge, and really, like you said, something for everyone. If you like to just sit at a nice little breakfast, you know, you've got that. If you want to see your sports idols, there's there that. You if you want to see a parade, there's that. And then, of course, as he mentioned, culminating uh, on May 1st with this big event at the Frederick County Fairgrounds, which is really for all ages. Folks like me who like craft fairs, if kids like to go do, um, you know, their renaissance events, <laughs> that kind of thing. So Maybe a little bit of that, uh, that one, one carnival game, like the milk jugs, and you throw the, <laughs> yeah. throw the ball at the milk jugs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's probably not like set up or anything. You know, some of those games, when you go like to the state fair, you feel like they're rigged. Probably not oh, yeah. going to be this I, year. I, I, I wouldn't think these would be as rigged as the state <laughs> fair ones, but you never know with those carnival games. They're a little, they're crazy sometimes. A little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, hopefully the weather will be great for the bloom uh, and it won't be snowing. Yeah. Hopefully that was the last bit of snow we'll see till hopefully November, yeah, December. Did, did you still have, did you have your like snow scraper and your brush and stuff in your car? Always keep it in my back. Always <laughs> do. You never know. You never know when it's going to happen. Always stays in April the back. April 18th, for example. April, April 18th. <laughs> so we're going to, we're going to take a quick break for news. But when we come back, today's a very important deadline. If you're a voter in West Virginia, we're going to be all over that. After this quick news break, you're listening to Panhandle Live. It's Panhandle Live, the voice of the Panhandle. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. 
Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Sponsored by Sutton and Janelle. Full service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland. Helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs. Family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, meditation. And they provide legal counsel tailored to your needs. Visit Sutton and Janelle's new historic location, downtown Martinsburg, 224 West King Street. And SuttonandJanelle.com. I'm Parker Stone. Alongside me, Marsha Kavala. Jordan out for today. We wish him all the best with what he's got going on. Marsha, election time's coming up, right? It is, and today is a, a very important day. Of course, this is midterm year, um, and a lot of those decisions get uh, chosen in the in the May 10th primary here in West Virginia. Today is an important deadline because if you want to register to vote in West Virginia, today is the day, today is the deadline. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to bring to you a conversation Jordan and I had back in January with Secretary of State Mac Warner. Obviously, their, their office is pretty busy today. I reached out to, to see if someone could chat with us. But this is a lot of the good information we need to have. So this is our conversation with Mac Warner from a couple months ago. For the voters... There's some deadlines that are coming up. This is an election year. Uh, it's time to start checking into your uh, your registrations. You can go to our website, GoVoteWV.com, and either let's say you want to change parties or if a name has changed and you want to make sure that uh, you're registered properly. It's very important this year because there are a lot of moving parts. And I want to do a quick shout-out to the county clerks. They are doing a tremendous job of staying on top of this. So think about this. We had the congressional districts. They're redrawn because we've lost a congressperson. We had a, a census that was done. We've lost some population. You've gained population in the eastern panhandle. Um, and then the single-member districts here in West Virginia, our House of Delegates went from 67 districts to 100 districts. So that's a lot of line redrawing that has to be done. And that, uh, with the census data coming in late to these clerks' offices, they're under a deadline. It's it's been uh, they're right up here against the wire as all this stuff is coming at them at one time. So again, if you have a chance to see a county clerk, uh, give them a pat on the back and tell them what a great job they're doing. But all that means is there's going to be now cards that need to be sent out to the voters to tell them which precinct that they're in, if their lines have been redrawn, where their voting locations are. So uh, sometimes. It may seem that things are calm, but that's because these crooks are working real hard but paddling like a duck underwater, just going crazy uh, to stay abreast of all the changes that are happening. So uh, those are some of the deadlines. We also have deadlines with regards to uh, absentee. The, the deadline for that changing your uh, registration from one party to another, that's April 19th, or if you're registering for the first time, that has to be done by April 19th if you're going to vote in the May 10th primary. Um, and then the deadline to request an absentee ballot isn't until May 4th, but you can go ahead and request that absentee ballot right now. And if I can take one more minute to explain, mm-hmm. because this is different than the 2020 election. In the 2020 election, especially the primary, we were under a stay-at-home order by the governor due to COVID-19. And that caused a change that allowed us to send out applications, absentee applications, to every voter in the state. That no longer exists. We are no longer under that stay-at-home order. So the law has never changed, and so we're back to just the way it was in 2018, prior COVID. If you want an absentee ballot, you have to have a reason for that request for that absentee ballot, and you have to request that. And so uh, you can do that all the way up until May 4th. But if you know you're going to be out of town or, uh, say, military or some other situation, 
uh, you can go ahead and make that request now, and then those uh, absentee ballot applica- or ballots themselves will start being sent out in March 25th, so just a couple months away. So this election is upon us. I really appreciate you all talking about this early on so people are aware of uh, the deadlines, the process by which to get an absentee ballot. We still will have the 10 days of early voting. You can still vote in person on Election Day. Uh, in fact, that's the gold standard. That's what we're uh, requesting. Everybody vote in person if you can. That's the most secure way of voting. And that, of course, entails uh, poll workers. So if you're interested in being a poll worker, it's another thing you might uh, let your county clerk know. I'm sure they would be very appreciative. Again, we're speaking with... Yeah, we're speaking with Secretary of State Mac Warner now. You kind of answered the, my question already a little bit uh, earlier, but for folks that maybe just moved in to the Panhandle, for example, there's still time for them to you know register to vote, you know, get their residency figured out, and you know have time to vote in this election coming up. Absolutely, that's until April 19th. Uh, now you can register at any time after that, but if it's after April 19th, then you would be eligible to vote in the general election, which is November 8th. But the primary election is May 10th. And the cutoff for that is April 19th. So how user-friendly is it uh, to access the, the website and figure out what your districts are? The best thing to do is to go in and talk to the county clerk themselves. But the, our website is govotewv.com, and that's where all elections-related information uh, is posted. And so um, as far as the, the districts, that is going to be in precincts. It's best answered by the county clerk. Uh, but, yeah, there is uh, information available at GoVoteWV.com. Yeah, we've been speaking with Secretary of State Mac Warner. And, unfortunately, we got to get to a break. But thanks for taking a little time to uh, chat with us this morning, letting everybody know about these important deadlines coming up. Jordan and Marcia, always good to be with you. Thanks. Take Absolutely. Care. And, of course, that was a conversation we had earlier in the year with Secretary of State Mac Warner. Um, after we talked to him, the Secretary of State's office actually rolled out an interactive map, which is way cool, um, and it can be found at GoVoteWV.com, and uh, you go up to the top right, and there's a tab that says WV Interactive Map for Voting Precincts and Districts. You put in your street address. It tells you where you're voting, what your magisterial district are, what uh, is, excuse me, what your Senate and House districts are. So um, really comprehensive guide there, and you can find that at GoVoteWV.com. As you heard, Secretary of State Mac Warner said, check check in with your county clerk. Also, if you've got questions, of course, Parker, your station uh, uh, broadcasts to Morgan County. If you live in Morgan County, uh, you can go to the county clerk's office there. Jefferson County, you can go to the Jefferson County clerk's office there. I believe they're in the historic uh, Charlestown courthouse there. And then uh, we caught up with... County Clerk Elaine Mock from Berkeley County to get some tips and um, kind of get the status of what her office is doing. You can hear that uh, right now. Your office also in in charge in an umbrella way of elections. Oh, uh, we have county? we have voter elections. Uh, that's a big aspect. Let me give you a scenario about that. We ended up gaining over uh, maybe six thousand, eight thousand people in that particular aspect from the census. The census hit a perfect. Uh, firestorm with the fact that it was the pandemic and it was late and then the census was late and then all the stuff coming from Charleston with the delegates and the senators was late. Our magistrates had to be, districts had to be changed. We had 66 districts and because of that we ended up have to, we went to 80. So now they're numbered one through 80 just like the state has gone one through 100 trying to be more efficient. They state hired a group called Civis that was supposed to help with this. 
in moving these blocks of people in the census to our figures. We as a staff have done everything the state has asked. And in fact, you know, people are asking about voters registration cards. We had 16,000. We had printed up ready to go about three weeks ago. Unfortunately, we got the information started going through it. The stuff was wrong mm. coming from Charleston. So we've had to regroup and everything else. And uh, between the several people that I have that are computer whizzes, just bust and tail to make sure we have what we have. There's going to be a number of provisional ballots, but I believe we're hoping to be able to go to press on Monday and people don't understand. They keep wanting to, uh, there's people talking that it's my responsibility. Uh, Mr. Mac Warner and a spe- uh, talk the other day. It is not the clerk's fault in West Virginia. There are 55 counties facing the same thing. The biggest difference is we are one of the, the one of two, I believe that even had growth. Everybody else is regrouping and they're doubling up. Like if you've got two, two precincts over here, you're making it one because you're losing so much population here. It was expansion. So it's made it doubly hard and we're going to, we hope to get those out. And of course, you know, important dates, uh, the, the, I think it's the 27th is when we have early voting. So, you know, these things, we're hoping to have them out. And the nice thing about the poll books, we've had them worked up. The poll books, once you go in and you put your name in, it should show you where you are currently as far as if by mistake you get to the wrong poll. Since I've been clerk, um, I've had to, re- using the state re- uh, re- retention uh, figures and, and reports and reporting to Charleston every time, we've eliminated over 500 boxes of trash. We have uh, archived over 500 boxes of, of documents. How have you archived it? Electronically? Oh, no. This is done through sleeves and and boxes. Our, our electronic issue is major, but I've got to get this stuff. It was stuffed, in, and they called them bird cages in the vault. Well, over the years, we've had they used coal stoves and everything else. We've had to clean the documents and everything else to put them in archival sleeves and get them out of the dirt and everything. You know, just just mm-hmm. air. You know, mm-hmm. see, on all old Protective. documents, air is as hard on that stuff as anything else. Right. They're in archival sleeves in archival boxes. We've we've boxed up over five hundred. In the finance department, we've downsized about 150 boxes because after 10 years, you can uh, get rid of uh, financial records. We had employee records back to 1939. We so you don't that. have to keep everything. No, there's a, as I said, the state retention rate, every piece of paper that we sent out, we send to let Charleston say, this is what we've got. We've got this many of it. Can we? And they sign off. We have the notebook that says this is legal. And we've gotten rid of 25 to 30 file cabinets and... And at this particular point for the public's record, we only have 10 to 15% of all the records scanned because that's all it's been done because it's only been done since 98. And so our goal in the next, uh, for the future is to start a scanning process. But you see the records I talked about earlier had to be verified, but they have to be indexed and cross-referenced and scanned also. So there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of records in the same boat that that particular one is. Do we have the infrastructure to do some of this uh, more rapid digitization? Or is that something, should you get elected, you'll draw down more, try to get grants or, or things like that to get that, you know, to have that happen more exponentially? Okay, the first thing, when you get a position like this, is called inventory. You can't start just digitizing off the bat till you know what you got. Mm-hmm. So this past year, we've done mostly digit, uh, going through and getting an absolute digitizing uh, list that we need. Fortunately for us, the Mormons had a, li- had a digitized list of our first 100 deed books, which we now have. They sent it to us free of charge, which is unbelievable hmm. when you start looking at the, at the records. 
the the machine to do the digitalization for the sewing record books is like $37,000. It's a German technology with laser. So that's why I'm going to wait till I get all, till we get to the point we know what all of the sewing books are. The sewing books are the ones that need this expensive one. Then that's, that's the direction we're going in. However, at this particular point, I'm going to be hiring part-time people to uh, scan uh, some of the records that are, that are loose leaf that we can go ahead and start working with. And we'll be doing that starting in May. So another practical question, of course, you mentioned uh, because of some of the delays from the state right. secretary of state's office, uh, there will be some ballots that will just automatically be provisional. Uh, can you assure the voters that, you know, everything's going to be safe and the elections are going to go well in May? Well, the safety issue is I don't know what the question is. The, the new machines, the new machines, you come in and you tell the poll worker uh, what your name is. They give you the proper ballot, whatever it is. And then you go to the machine and you do your selection. Then you go over to the counter and you put it in the counter and that marks it. It drops it in a bucket that locks it. So the voter is bringing it over there. The voter is placing it in the counter. Mm -hmm. The voter places it in the counter. And at the end of the day, the, uh, the people that are in charge of each poll place will pull out a flash drive and take it into the courthouse. Mm -hmm. And they will also bring the, I don't know, it looks more like a, uh, a small little doghouse that's got the uh, votes in it and takes it to the courthouse so that we do the recertification because at that point it can be unlocked. And that was a snippet of our visit with County Clerk Elaine Mock of Berkeley County. And there was a little bit more than just elections mixed in there, but uh, some important things going on in Berkeley County, for example, they, they normally have 66 voting precincts. They have uh, that's now up to 80. And so it's very important if you're a voter in Berkeley County and all over the state, because a lot of these uh, magisterial districts have changed as well, uh, to, to check out where you're going to be voting and who, um, who your representative is that you're going to be uh, voting in, you know, what contest that's going to be. So uh, again, you can look at that interactive map from the Secretary of State's office at govotewv.com. And uh, if you've got questions, the, sec the county clerk's office will be open today and you can uh, make a call in today. Is the, the last day to register to vote in the state of West Virginia for the primary election, that primary election being held May 10th. There you have it. You're listening to Panhandle News Network on WEPM WCST. Welcome back to Panhandle Live. Here are your hosts, Jordan Nice Warner and Marsha Kavalik. Welcome back into Panhandle Live. Did I just you were gonna you were gonna say it? Go ahead, bring us in. Well, welcome back into Panhandle Live, brought to you by Sutton and Janelle, full service law firm serving West Virginia and Maryland, helping individuals, families, businesses with all of their legal needs, family law, criminal defense, DUI, personal injury, meditation. They provide legal counsel tailored to your needs. You can visit Sutton and Janelle's new historic location downtown in Martinsburg at 224 West King Street, and visit them online at Sutton and Janelle. Dot com. I'm Parker Stone. Alongside me, Marsha Kavalik. Jordan is out for today. We wish him all the best. And Marsha, we were talking about the apple blossom earlier with Dario Savarese, right? That's right. And uh, one of the things he referred to, um, one of the you know the events that folks can take advantage of is um, you can grab your friends, enjoy 20 wine, ciders, and craft beer at the Wine Fest, United Bank Wine Fest in Old Town. You can visit thebloom.com to get your tickets. And um, we also have uh, 
there's a lunch. You can hear a great speaker at the Valley Health Business at the Bloom event. Details for that at thebloom.com. Of course, 5Ks, 10Ks, all kinds of races and um, sports legends coming into town. And hopefully the weather will be way better than it was yesterday. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that weather was crazy yesterday. Sadly, there was a fatal accident at about 150 Yesterday evening, troopers from the Hagerstown Barrack responded to area SB81 in the area about mile marker 6. So that's, a, that's around where like the Walmart exit is up there. Yeah, yeah, about around that way. So how it was set up was there was traffic slowed in the left lane, and vehicle 1 was approached from the rear, striking vehicle 2, which caused vehicle 2 to strike vehicle 3. So it was bam, 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 bam. Seemed mm-hmm. like four straight. Sadly, there was a fatality. It was a Brittany May Goodwin of Greensboro, North Carolina, was pronounced dead at scene. Two other patients were transported to Meredith Medical Center with non-life-threatening injuries. The collision is still under investigation, and they closed it for about six hours, I think, that area, mm-hmm. about yeah. that time, and it is now reopened. So sadly, yeah. fatal accident yesterday, always a horrible time driving in the snow. And it, that it reminded, was foggy, too. Yeah. It reminded me there was one clip a few weeks ago. It might be about a month ago now. That one clip from I-81 in Pennsylvania. Oh, that, yeah. That really bad wreck over there. Horrific. Oh, it was awful. It, like 50 uh, trucks or something. It was, uh, it was awful. Yeah. I, th- I think it was about 30 fatalities out of that. Uh, that was a snow squall then. That And this was just, this was kind of light snow, but the yeah. fog made it really hard to see. Um, so unfortunately, a young woman lost her life yesterday. The rest of us are just kind of complaining about, oh, it's snowing and there's snow on my flowers and stuff. But um, obviously, it's always good to drive um, cautiously, especially Absolutely. when there's bad weather. So. Yeah, that's that's with me. My uh, my Sonata isn't the best in the rain and snow. So I definitely was going a modest 60 on I-81 going down south Smart. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking with it anyway. But also in sports world, did you see the, uh, there's a USFL. You, you know about the USFL relaunching at all? I've heard of this, yes. So Is the, this The Rock? No, that's the XFL. Uh, okay. That's coming, I think, next year. So the USFL, it was a relaunch, and there was a guy who actually got let go because he wanted pizza instead of chicken salad. Oh. He, he was let go by, I can't remember which team it was. He was a running back from Michigan State, mm-hmm. and he actually was let go because he was like, yeah, I don't like chicken salad. I would want I would want the carbs. Yeah. <laughs> but that'll do it for about enough time for us today. For Marsha, I'm Parker Stone. We'll see you back tomorrow.